Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. The devil convinced man that in order to be good, he had to do good. As long as he, long as he did good things, then he was good. Much like that video we showed you earlier, the people that said, well, hey, I've done a lot of good work. God must receive me. He's gonna receive me because I've done good things. But the Father never intended for man uh, to gain righteousness by good things. He always intended man to gain righteousness with him by believing in Jesus. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Once again, welcome everybody. Welcome to Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. And we welcome our online community. Hi, online community. We thank you. That's right. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise for our online community. Hi, guys. Wherever you are joining us from all around the world, we just celebrate you and thank you for being part of today's service. I believe today is your day for a miracle. Praise Jesus. All right, well, today we're going to get right back into our series, and uh, we're in the series entitled Get Up. We've been here for the last um, six weeks or so. This is part number seven, and I don't see an end in sight right now. Uh, if you have not been here to hear the last parts, go back and do it, and I believe it's really going to richly bless you. As we are living in these last days, everybody, it's really important for you to know who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you. It's really important that you meditate in the Word of God. It's really important. And today we're going to get right back there. But first, let's go ahead and start off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this time that you've given us to gather around your Word. Father, I pray that you would speak today by your Spirit, that you would lead us into all truth and show us things to come. Lord, I confess that I cannot, I can't do this. But Lord, we know that you can. So Father, we pray that you would just use me, use my, my mouth, my all that I am to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that you would open up our hearts as good fertile ground that we may receive the sowing of the word, that we may receive what you're saying today. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. All right, well, you know this series comes with a confession, so let's go ahead and get straight into our confession today. And it goes like this. Because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I am forgiven, Colossians 1.14. All my sins have been washed away, 1 John 1.7. I have peace with God, Romans 5.1. I have been made the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am forever perfected and sanctified, being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14. I am not now, nor will I ever be condemned by God. Romans 8, 1. I am loved and accepted in the presence of God. John 3, 16. Ephesians 1, 6. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. 1 John 4, 17. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, today we're going to be talking about uh, redemption. You have been redeemed. Say with me, I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. Hallelujah. I've been hearing that song in my spirit all week. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away, I've been redeemed. Hallelujah. Been hearing that all week long we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Now, to help make that word clearer to us, uh, we're going to give you the definition of the word uh, redeemed. Redeem. All right, so let's go. Uh, redeem means, or we can say redeem is the biblical concept of redemption. Uh, rather, the biblical, the biblical concept of redemption is the buying back something which formerly belonged to the purchaser, but for some reason has passed into the ownership or power of another. 
the original owner could regain ownership by paying a redemption price for it. Now, the reason for redemption is simple. Man fell in the garden. We fell in the garden. We obeyed, obeyed the voice of the enemy, obeyed the voice of Satan, and we fell under his power. So the result of, of that, that falling was that we came under the power of sin. And then, of course, the Lord added the law later to show man his sinfulness in hopes that he would return to the Father once again. So we're going to look at those two, first of all, um, to discover, in fact, what we are and have been enslaved to, what we are held in bondage to as the human race. And then we're going to see Jesus as our Redeemer, redemption. Let me give you an example or paint a picture of redemption. One time, very long ago, Stan, very long ago, um, Glory to God. I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, whatever, I don't know. But anyway, um, I had the idea, instead of waiting on God for my financial need to be met, I had the idea of pawning my truck. I took my title to the pawn shop. Now, I don't remember when I had this truck. It was a little S10. Boy, I wish I still had that thing. Anyway, went down to the pawn shop, and I pawned the title on my truck. Don't wave your hands if you've done the same thing. Praise the Lord. Just keeps looking straight ahead. And I uh, went down there, and I gave them uh, the title and all that stuff, and they gave me cash. Well, the moment I did that, my truck came under the power of another. No longer mine. It came under the power. I could drive it, but guess what happened if I didn't pay that bill? You found out who really owned it then, right? So when I pawned it, it came under the power of another. But of course, we paid it off as quickly as we possibly could before time. So I regained ownership of it uh, because I, I paid the price. And so it's now back under my power. It sold or we gave it away or something. I'm not sure what happened to that truck. I think we gave it away. But, uh, but you, I want you to see that through that transaction, I gave it over to someone else. But I paid the price and it was returned to me. Now, through redemption, it is impossible to be, in, be under the same, be under two powers at the same time. You're either under one or you're under the other. You're not going to be under the pawn shop's control and under your control. No, it's either going to be one or the other, right? Before the pawn shop, I owned it free and clear. When I left out of the pawn shop with the money, they owned it. When I gave them back the money, repaid it with interest, with interest, then it's back under my power and control. Hallelujah. All right. As long as it was with them, it was there, yeah, the truck belonged to them, the, they were the masters of the truck. But when I repaid the price, I became the master once again of the truck. Amen? Got it? All right. So sin, because of what happened in the garden, uh, man had come under or enter, we can say, Satan's pawn shop. You got me? Now, who was the original owner of man? God the Father. God the Father. And in order to get man back into right fellowship with himself, in order to get man back into his ownership, hallelujah, the price had to be paid. Got me? Let me show you a few scriptures here. So see the condition of man. We were enslaved in two, two areas. Number one, sin, and we were also enslaved with the law. But I want to show you this. Sin uh, caused guilt and shame. And ultimately, it was the power of the devil. Uh, Romans 7, verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Man, unredeemed man, is sold under sin. So think for a moment, think, think of that pawn shop. Think of humanity being in that pawn shop. If they have not been redeemed, they're still under the control, still sold under sin. Got it? 
still under the control of sin, control of the enemy. All right, Paul said here, I was sold under sin. Look at uh, Romans 6, 17. Uh, the New Living Translation says, thank God once you were slaves to sin. Unredeemed man is a slave to sin. They can't help it. They are a slave to sin. That's man's condition. Unredeemed man is a slave to sin. And that makes me think of the movie Matrix, right? Movie Matrix. Uh, whoever has not been liberated from the Matrix is still plugged in. They're still a slave to the system until they have been awakened. Talking about Matrix number one. Matrix two and three, I don't know about them, but Matrix number one was pretty good. It's going to be one of those online communities. All right. All right. Unredeemed man is still a slave to sin. Look at this. It says, thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Look at Romans 6, 20. Also, I have New Living Translation. It says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Man was a slave to sin, or man is a slave to sin, unless he has been redeemed, unless he has been bought back. All right? Now, uh, how did Jesus make this right? Let's go to Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. I love this. I love this. Thank you, thank you so much, guys, for being here today. Thank you for watching online community. Colossians 1, verse 13 14, now the King James Version says, who hath, talking about Jesus, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Jesus has, say with me, Jesus has delivered me have from the power of darkness. So you, do you still have that image of the pawn shop? See yourself sitting or someone sitting in the display case? The display case, oh, I'm trapped here. How you doing? How you doing? And not really realize that they're living in poor conditions. They're, you know, some may look happy in that display case. They got plenty of money, plenty of things. On the outside, they look like on the outside that they look like they got everything together. Only in the inside and behind the doors, they're crying. They're they're doing this and doing that, trying to numb the pain because they're still in the devil's pawn shop in that display case. But Jesus came into the pawn shop one day and he paid the price with his own blood, we'll see this, and redeemed man and took him back home. Are you with me? So look, it says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness, delivered you from that devil's pawn shop, and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Remember, you cannot be in two places at once. It's either you there or you with the Lord. All right? 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Awesome. Through the blood of Jesus, you have been forgiven you have been redeemed. You have been bought back to God. And that's, that's something that has to be declared over your life. You have to say that over your life because the enemy is going to try to do his best, even though you have, if you're born again believer and God has redeemed you, brought you back from it, the enemy will still try to cast doubt. He will still try to uh, bring worries and, and cares and frustrations and shame and guilt upon you. Uh, to try to convince you that you have not, in fact, been bought back, that you're still under his control. This is why you've got to pray that. You've got to declare that. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm no longer under the enemy's control, but Jesus is now my Lord, my Master, and my Savior. So, Satan, I renounce you. I rebuke you. You have no power here, no control here. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, the Lord also delivered us from the law. Now, remember, the law was a performance-based system of do's and don'ts. It was meant to reveal man's sin because man by nature is prideful. We think, hey, I can do this. I can do this. Now, again, the, the law was meant to reveal your sin, to, to show you that you were sinful. And in an effort for you to say, Lord, you know what? I'm sinful. I need you. I'm returning to you again. 
Now the devil saw that. The devil saw that uh, that you saw that you were that you were sinful, and he took advantage of that. And he began to bring shame and guilt and condemnation on you. Look at what you did. You know that was wrong. You know that was wrong. You just a filthy something. You know that was wrong. So the devil took advantage of took advantage of the law, and with the law, he used it as a weapon against man. But it was never intended to be that way. And the devil convinced man that in order for him to be right with God, he had to do good things. The devil convinced man that in order to be good, he had to do good. As long as he, as long as he did good things, then he was good. Much like that video we showed you earlier, the people that said, well, hey, I've done a lot of good work. God must receive me. He's going to receive me because I've done good things. But the father never intended for man uh, to gain righteousness by good things. He always intended man to gain righteousness with him by believing in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By believing in Christ alone. So let's look at this bondage of the law here in Romans, the third chapter, verse 20. It says here, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in the sight, rather in his sight. By the deeds of the law or by your doing good, you will never be justified in the sight of God. So you can do good all the days of your life, but if you're doing good is meant, if you're trying to do good in order to be good before God, you're going to fail miserably. It's not going to work. It says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Again, the law gives you the knowledge of sin. It does not. It does not have the power to remove the sin. It just shows you that there is sin present. Much like uh, these tests that are going on now for uh, the different viruses and things of this nature. The test shows that you have it, but the test is not the cure. The x-ray machine may show that you have it, but the x-ray machine is not the cure. The law was given to show you the condition. And then we're meant to go, yes, Father, I have it. Now, Dr. Jesus, uh, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Heal me. You got it? Romans 7, verse 1, look at this again. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that, that know the law, how that the law have dominion. The law have dominion over man as long as he liveth. The law has dominion, control over man. Remember, Jesus has delivered you from it. Let me show you one more. Uh, Galatians, the third chapter. I love this. Galatians 3, 23. And I love how it reads out of the Amplified Bible. This is how it reads. It says, now before faith came, before Jesus came, we were kept in custody under the law, perpetually imprisoned in preparation for the faith that was destined to be revealed. So man was imprisoned in prison, enslaved, enslaved one to sin, and also uh, to the knowledge of his sin until Jesus came along, until Jesus came along. Now look at this again in Galatians 3, 13 now. Look at what, look at what the Lord Jesus did for us. It says, Christ hath redeemed us, brought us back. God kept the pawn shop ticket. He didn't lose the ticket. Are you with me? God hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Look at Romans 10, 4. Romans 10, 4, it says, For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I love the way that is translated in the New Living Translation. It says here, same verse, Romans 10, 4, it says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Hallelujah. So Jesus has redeemed you from sin. He has redeemed you from the law. So sin does not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under the grace, under grace. 
Sin doesn't have power over you. That means that the devil no longer has power over you. Darkness no longer has power over you. Sickness and disease no longer have power over you. Whatever is under darkness, Jesus pulled you out of that and brought you into, the, brought you into uh, his kingdom, the kingdom of light. Remember, you cannot be in both places at one. It's either he did it or he didn't do it. It's either you're under the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. It's either you're still in that pawn shop, still bound, still bound by sin, still bound by the knowledge of sin, or still bound by law. It's either you're bound or you've been set free. Even though you are a believer, please hear me, child of God, even though you are a believer, you must confess this word of your life. You must walk in this word. You must pray this word over your life. If you do not do that, then you'll simply slide back down, not slide back down into bondage because you've been delivered from it, but you'll slide back into a place where it seems like the devil is in full control of your life, where it will seem like uh, you're condemned. I've seen believers, born-again believers, feel like, oh, I feel so condemned. I've heard them say, I don't think God is hearing my prayers. I've heard them say, God is punishing me. I've heard people that identify with Jesus saying this stuff. I've heard them say, I don't think I've done good enough. I, I don't think God loves me. I've heard them say all these things. Why are they saying this? Why are they saying this? Because they're not focused on what Jesus did. They're focused on what they're doing. And the enemy is still trying to take occasion over them because the, the devil, there are demons that monitor what you do, familiar spirits that monitor what you do, and they love to throw stuff back up in your face in an effort that you would slide back, slide back under his control, although he cannot control you anymore. You have been redeemed, but he can make it look like he has control over your life. Are you with me? And if you agree with that, if you agree, Bible says again, it, uh, we're to touch and agree. Hey, you're going to have this thing. If you're one and the devil's one, you're going to have it. If you agree with him, you're going to have what he said. But if you agree with God, then you're going to have what the father says. That makes sense. So listen, in fact, the Lord Jesus has really, there are seven benefits. I'll give you seven things that the Lord Jesus did when he redeemed you. There are seven benefits. Um, number one, of course, you were forgiven of sins. I love this. You have escaped the wrath of God. You have escaped the wrath of God. Now, that should be something that will make you jump up, hit the ceiling, come back down, and jump up again. Because of Jesus, you have escaped the wrath of God. Eternal damnation burning in the fires of hell and the lake of fire, the second death, eternal separation from everything that is good. Because of Jesus, because of his redemption, you have escaped the wrath, the punishment of God forever. Hallelujah. And that should make you want to jump and shout and scream and holler. You have escaped the judgment of God. Secondly, because of Jesus, we have freedom from the law. Again, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You're no longer under that system where you're trying to do good to be good. You have righteousness that has been imputed unto you. We went over that before. God gave you. He, put, he accredited your account with righteousness. You're, trying, you're not trying to become righteous in God, in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You're not trying to become holy in Christ. You are holy and you're growing in your holiness. Are you hearing me? So, uh, number three, God has given, because of the redemption of Jesus, uh, you are now, again, the righteousness of God. You have been made holy. And the fourth thing is you are now justified in the sight of God. Five, you have been adopted. You, we have the adoption. You are now in the family of God. God, the Father, is your Father. Hallelujah. And you are his child. You've been adopted into the family of God. Six, um, you have been reconciled to God. You have reconciliation. Things are back together as they should be. 
We gave you the example of a marriage, marriage couple, husband and wife being estranged to each other. I've seen them, they, I've heard that they've gone to the courthouse and they realize, you know, going to get the divorce, but they realize, hey, I need you, I love you, I love you too, let's get back together. And they come back together. Hallelujah. They've been reconciled. And then there are many couples that get divorced and they will cite the reason for is unreconcilable differences. We cannot get it back together. We can't get back together. But God has reconciled the two parties together. You and God are reconciled. That's why the Bible says now you have peace with God because you've been reconciled. And last, because of the redemption of Jesus, you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Not eternal damnation, not eternal death, but eternal life. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus has done for you. Now, again, the biblical concept of, of redemption is the buying back something which has formerly belonged uh, to the purchaser, but for some reason has gone into the power of another. We know the reason is of what man did in the garden. And so the father redeemed, he bought us back. He bought us back. Well, what was the purchase price? What was the purchase price? And let me tell you this, uh, the purchase price always has to do with the perceived, perceived uh, worth of the one that is making the purchase. You go into the store, and if you think that something is worth less, you'll pay less for it, right? If you think something is worth more, well, then you'll pay more for it. There's a difference between a, a candy bar and a gold necklace. One is worth less and one is worth more. You don't expect to pay uh, $300 for a candy bar unless there's some sort of apocalyptic thing going on there and, uh, and we're really in a horrible way there. You got me? No, something is worth less, you pay less. Something's worth more, you pay more. But if something is priceless, then you will pay all to get it. You'll pay all, you'll give it, you'll give it everything all that you have. You'll bankrupt yourself in order to get it. All right? So let's look at this. Let's go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, Hebrews 9, verse 11 through 15. Oh, you guys are doing so well today. Online community, I hope that you're really getting this as well in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making it so clear, so clear. Hebrews 9, verse 11 through 15. Listen to this. It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured. Say secured. He's secured your, rather, he secured our redemption for how long? Forever. So you can say, I am forever redeemed. I am forever redeemed. As a born-again believer, you will never, ever go back under the power of the devil. You need to kick your leg out right there. You need to kick your, wow, do one of them karate kicks. As a born-again believer, you will never, ever go back under the power of the enemy unless you agree with the devil. Are you hearing me? But he will never have official control over you because you're not, because of what Jesus did, you will never be in a position to be reponded again. You got it? What Jesus did is forever, forever. Remember, all the devil can do is make it look like, make it seem like, make it seem like he has the power or control over your life. But he doesn't. You have to declare that. I have been redeemed, forever redeemed. I have been forever redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I have been forever redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Satan, you no longer have control over me, my family, or anything that pertains to me. I declare that we have been bought with the price, bought with the blood of Jesus. We are forever redeemed. I am forever redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. You have to pray that and declare that and pray that 
and declare that I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And as you say it over and over and over and over, as you feel the atmosphere with it, those demons begin to back up. They, they begin to back up. You have been redeemed. You have to say it. I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus forever redeemed. You have, to, you have to say that. Now listen, it goes on to say in verse number 13. I really, I really want you to hear this next part here. It says, under the old system, that is the old covenant, right? The Old Testament. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Now listen to this, verse 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify, purify what? Purify our consciousness, our conscious from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Now listen, our conscience or our conscious is that part of us that guides us. It's that inner witness of the soul, right? The Holy Spirit uses that. When you know you've done something wrong, you say, oh, it's been on my conscience. Uh, it's been on my conscience. Uh, I, got to, I got to get this right with you. I got to get this right. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said that. Or it's your conscience the Holy Spirit uses to guide you to do the right action. Oh, you know, well, you feel like, I need to give you some money. I, I, need, I, need, to pay you. I need to pay you for doing this. I, I need to get you this. The Holy Spirit uses that to guide you uses that inner witness, your conscience. So when the Lord Jesus delivered you and he shed his innocent blood, the Bible declares that, look at that verse again. He says, uh, he says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify, purify means to cleanse, to wash, purify our conscience from sinful deeds. Why? So that we may Worship the living God. That tells you that you cannot worship God with a defiled conscience. If you think that God doesn't love you, or if you think that you've done so much wrong, if you think that you are guilty and you feel shame, you cannot truly worship the living God. You can only truly worship the living God with a pure conscience, a clean conscience. Well, how do I have that? Knowing what I did last night, long, knowing what I did last week. You can have that knowing that Jesus has redeemed you and that his blood has washed your sins away as far as the east is from the west. You can have a clear conscience knowing that Jesus has paid the price for your sins. You are eternally redeemed. You are eternally justified. You are eternally saved. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You have received the grace of God. You have received the word of God, the, the, the divine, uh, divine favor of God, the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. You have received this, and through his atoning sacrifice, you are cleansed. You are clean. It is the redemption of Christ Jesus. It is because of his blood that cleanses your conscience. So if you say, well, I want to worship the Lord, I want to go to church today, but, you know, I got this thing on me. I feel like, uh, Lord, I really messed up. I really messed up. You need to declare the Lord has redeemed me. His blood has cleansed, cleansed my conscience. His blood has purified my conscience. His blood has, cu has, pur has uh, purified my conscience, has cleansed my conscience. I receive the blood of Jesus to cleanse my conscience. And if an action needs to be done, if you need to go and apologize, remember, the, the Holy Spirit won't let you low. He won't let you go. He won't let you loose. You'll go and apologize if you need to apologize. Praise God. But you can only truly worship the Lord with a clean conscience. But you can't get a clean conscience unless you've been redeemed. And you're going to have to declare that over and over again. The blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience. You hear? You hearing? The blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience. The blood of Christ will purify our conscience, our uh, conscience uh, from sinful deeds, from sinful deeds, things that you have done. You've got to allow the blood to cleanse you. You've got to allow the blood to cleanse you. I hope you got that. So that we can worship the living God. 
For by the power of the by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's why you can have a clear conscience, because Jesus was offered for you. Hallelujah. That's why you shouldn't worry about what you did in 1905 or 1970 or 1980 or whenever it was. You don't have to worry about that. You've confessed that before God. You've been purified. You've been cleansed. Jesus has paid the price for it. Hallelujah. So this gives you um, access into the presence of God. The blood of Jesus gives you access into the presence of God so that you may truly worship him. And as you're in the presence of God, the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing you continually, continually cleansing your conscience, continually washing over you, continually washing over you as you present yourself before the Father, as you are beholding him, you are becoming more and more like him. You're becoming more and more like Christ. The answer is in going to God, not running from God. All right. Verse 15 says, that is why he is the, me he is the one who mediates a new covenant uh, between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free. Listen to that again. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Jesus died, he shed his blood to set you free. To set you free. So why would you allow the enemy to put you back under that same old bondage. Listen, and I love the way the Lord uses Isaiah here to bring this thing home. Isaiah 44, 22. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it here. And it says that this, and we're coming to a close today. Let this really cement this to you, okay? Isaiah 44, 22 says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have, again, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Yes, yes. My God, that's clear. The Lord said, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Now, God said, I did it. I did it. So, that's why it's so tragic for someone that has received Jesus to walk away from God in shame and in condemnation, think that they've done so much wrong. When the father said, I paid the price for us to reunite. I paid the price for your reconciliation. So come back to me. And in coming back to God, he cleanses us. He, he washes us. He, he takes those uh, sins away, so to speak. He washes our sins away. And we become more and more like him as we behold him. As we stay in his word, as we stay in his presence, as we stay under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God cleanses us and, and washes us and makes us right with him. Now, to, uh, to bring this point finally home, uh, if, you have this, if you say, I still have, I don't understand redemption, I still don't understand what he did, well, let me bring you this wonderful divine picture the Lord brings us to us. In two places, we can discover this in two physical places. God gave the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, which was the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Remember, you saw the movie, Ten Commandments, Charleston Heston, he goes up in the uh, mountain there. Some of you, you've seen that movie. And the Lord uh, uh, writes with his own finger on the, on, on the stone tablets, right? And he comes down with the law with the law. And the people say, hey, we can do this. We can do this. All right. Well, then you have also Mount Zion. Well, that's the city of God. And we're going to see these two, how the Lord just parallels these two wonderfully here, uh, here in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Look at this. In Hebrews 12, verse 18 through 24, it says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the children of, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice of, and a voice so terrible that they 
beg God to stop speaking. That's Mount Sinai. God, don't talk to me. This is so awful. They staggered back under God's commands. Even, it says, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. That's Mount Sinai. Is that God? Absolutely. So terrifying that even Moses said, I'm afraid, I am terrified of God. And the Lord said, don't touch me. Don't touch me, lest you die. That's your father up there. And your father says, don't touch me unless you die. Thunders and lightnings and awesome power. And they were all afraid of him. But thank God for Jesus' redemption. Hallelujah. Look at verse 22. It says, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Oh, now it's joyful. Glory to God. Now it's joyful. Verse 23. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself. Oh, now we get to come to Father ourselves. Hallelujah. Now we get to embrace him. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. It says, you have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. And you, rather, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Jesus' blood cries out for forgiveness. It cries out for mercy. And this is eternal. It's eternal. Remember when, when Cain slew Abel, God went down to uh, Cain and said, where's your brother? Cain said, Where am I my brother's keeper? The father said, your brother's blood cries out to me from the earth. And the blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. Kill him. Justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. Vengeance. Vengeance. But the blood of Jesus, which, by the way, was shed here upon the earth. So the blood of Jesus fell to the earth. How much blood fell upon the earth? Hallelujah. How much blood fell upon the earth? Jesus' body was resurrected. Hallelujah. And he's there in heaven. And he presented his blood there in heaven. And some of his blood is still upon the earth. And his blood cries out from the earth. Mercy. Forgiveness. Mercy. Forgiveness. So his blood cries out in two places. Here in the earth. And there's a witness in heaven. Mercy. Mercy mercy forgive them forgive them forgive them hallelujah to the lamb of God because of what Jesus has done we're now in favor with God we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and I'm excited about it hallelujah I get to talk to my daddy I get to talk to my father and I get to embrace him and I get to love on him and it's all because of Jesus today we lift up and we magnify the name of Jesus what he he has done with his shed blood upon the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection. He has brought us back from the power of the devil. He has brought us back from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. Satan no longer has power over me and no longer has dominion over me. Hallelujah. For we have been brought back to God through the precious blood of Jesus legally. This was a legal transaction. Hallelujah. And oh, I love what the Lord says here in Psalm 107. Oh my God, I thank you, Jesus. Psalm 107, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. Listen to what this says. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Look at verse 2. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Hallelujah! We have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah! Say you've been redeemed. Say you've been redeemed. Shout the good news. It's good news. You've been redeemed from the hand of your enemy. Hallelujah. Whoever your enemy might be. Glory to God. You have been redeemed. Hallelujah. Redeemed from sickness. Redeemed from disease. Redeemed from Satan or demonic powers. Redeemed. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It says that the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the, out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. God has redeemed us. So the Bible says say so. That means to say it, to speak it. Speak it. Let the redeemed speak it. Let the redeemed say it. Let the redeemed tell it. I have been redeemed. You have to declare this. You have to declare this. This is not a casual walk. Being a productive member of, of society, of the kingdom of heaven, is not passive. You have to make declarations. You have to make decrees. Much like your human body. If you want a healthy body, you're going to have to do something with that body. You're going to have to exercise. You're going to have to eat right. It just doesn't become healthy by doing nothing. It matters what you put in you. Hallelujah. If you want a, a nice yard, you got to cut that grass and, and maintain it. It's just not going to become a nice yard all by itself. That's where you live. If you want to pro be a productive member in the kingdom of God to be an overcomer, if you want to be an overcomer, then you've got to say that word. You've got to declare that word. This is why it's so valuable for you to hear the word of God, for you to have your own personal private uh, Bible study time, your private devotional time, when you pray in the spirit and pray with the spirit on a daily basis. Remember, don't get caught up in the time. Just say, Lord, let's start today with one minute. Hallelujah. Let's, oh, let's start today with one minute. And then as, as you start with that, you'll find that your one minute turns to five minutes. And say, Lord, let's just start here. I don't want to put a time on the Lord. I'm just going to meet with you here, and let's just pray, and let's just talk together. And just say, you know what? I'm just going to open my Bible, and Lord, I'm just going to read here. Lead me into what to read. If I read a chapter today, if I read a couple of verses today, but Lord, read, uh, help me to read and to study your word, because remember, you have to start from where you are. Start from where you are, but you must start. You must start. You must start. You've got to do something. Hallelujah. You must do something. This is not passive. So I urge you, declare you have been redeemed. Do as the Lord says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Declare, I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. Every time you feel the devil uh, trying to get on your back, trying to bring shame and guilt, say, no, I've been redeemed. I have been redeemed. That means my sins have been washed away. That means I received Jesus as my uh, Lord and Savior, as the sacrificial lamb that takes away my sins. I have been redeemed, meaning that the Father has already paid the purchase price to get me out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And believe me, the blood of Jesus was an overpayment. The blood of Jesus was an overpayment. Hallelujah. It was an overpayment. How much is one drop of the blood of God worth? My God, how much? It was an overpayment. You have been redeemed. Now, now that you know that God has paid the price for your sins, why in the world are you trying, still trying to pay for it? If I tell you that at... Um, I have paid your house note off. I paid your house completely off. And if you still, for maybe a month or so, continue to get a bill from the company until they get everything situated, don't pay it. If you have the notice, you got the deed, it's yours. And it's been paid off. Stop paying it. But that's the situation that many of us are in. We're still trying to pay for our sins. 
We're still trying to, we're still allowing the devil to remind us of the bad things we've done. No, I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. Now, does that mean I can go out and sin all I want to and just have fun because, hey, I've been bought back from the power of sin? Oh, foolish one. Don't you know that inside of every sin is the payment for that sin? Sin is suffering. Sin is suffering. You go and indulge yourself in this and that, even though God has redeemed you, it's not God punishing you, but the punishment for that sin is within that sin. It's within it. So Jesus paid the price to deliver you from the power of it so that you wouldn't go over there. But if you do, if you do fall, if you do mess up, we do have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the high priest. And you can make confession of that sin. And he will wash that thing completely away from you. Matter of fact, you're already forgiven for it. You're already forgiven. But you confess it to bring that thing to light. And as you talk to God about it, you'll find that that thing, you'll begin to realize more and more that that no longer has the power over you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name today uh, for this time that you've given us uh, to gather around your word. And Lord, we do pray. I do pray for everyone that is right now watching and listening from all around the world and for those that are right here in this room. Father, Lord, we pray, uh, I pray that you would give them the grace to continue to confess that redemption over their lives, over their families. Father, I pray that you give them the grace to receive the finished work of Jesus, to get into the word, to build upon the word in their own lives. Not to be just hearers only, but to be doers of what they have heard. And Lord, as we do that, we'll be building our lives upon a solid foundation. Now, thank you, Lord, when the winds blow and the floods come and all of that and beat upon the house, the house will not fall because it is founded upon the rock. The house is founded not by hearing, hearing only, but by hearing and doing. So, Lord, I pray for great grace for your people as they hear this word. Continue to, Lord, I pray your continued grace upon their lives. I pray through the abundance of grace through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life. So, Father, I pray your blessings upon them that you will always keep them safe and secure. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my friends, that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Love you now. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.